Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That was something that I really had to learn because no one was gonna. You, you, people can't believe in you for you. And as much as anyone might try, it won't work as long as you don't believe in yourself. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a singer-songwriter from South East London who literally grew up surrounded by music in a Deptford nightclub. Her beautiful, bold lyrics about race, class, gender and sexuality provoke thought and often spark debate. Fans of her music include former president of the United States, Barack Obama, and she was recently awarded the Jazz FM Awards 2019 Soul Act of the Year. And you may have spotted her in her recent Nike campaign. Welcome to the studio, Poppy Ajuda. Hi, you should do my PR. <laughs> Everyone knows what a, that. What a great bio. Yeah, everyone always loves the intro. Yeah. Like, Thanks. It's like, you don't often get to hear all of your, yeah, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. In like a kind of succinct, we're yeah. always moving to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. But thank you so much for coming in today. I was so looking forward to having you here in the studio. Thank you for having me. I know me. how busy you are right now. So I guess, I don't even know where to start with you, Poppy, but I guess it'd be great if you could take us back. I know that you grew up, as I said, surrounded by music. Is it actually true that you grew up in a nightclub? And can you tell us how you first got started in the music industry? Everybody latches onto this. <laughs> I See, for me, it felt really normal. But then when I hear other people's childhoods, it, it's really not that normal. Um, yeah, to, it, in some respects, that's true. I, I lived between my mum and my dad's house and my dad owned a nightclub. So when I stayed with my dad, I would yeah be upstairs. And like when I'd go to bed, the bed would like shake from the, the base. base. Yeah, it would like keep me up at night. Um, and yeah, that was just part of my life. It didn't ever feel weird. I'd kind of, I'd come downstairs in the middle of the night and there'd be like a full rave going on and someone would lift me up and be like, David, your daughter's come downstairs, put <laughs> her to bed. And so I was really used to, as a child, one, hearing lots of different types of music, but also being around a lot of people. And I think that helped with my energy as a person. I'm very like easygoing and, I'm, and I love people and I love, actually, I find it quite hard to be alone. And I think that's probably because I'm used to being around mm. people a lot. So I think it probably... Um, formed who I am quite a lot yeah and then how did you go from that so from sneaking down into the into the club <laughs> to, uh, to discovering I guess your voice your sound and yes getting started yourself um I think it was something that I always wanted to do and and I probably didn't realize that 
that surrounding was part of that because I was always singing and, and I knew the words to almost all the songs that ever existed at that time. Even now I can sing along to like any Lovers Rock Roots reggae tune and not even know what it is just because yeah. I, when I was a child. And so I think that had a, played a big part in it. Um, but then also I just... I loved strong female vocalists and I think I didn't really think about it that way as a child but actually when I look back people like Pink or Avril Lavigne or even Britney um Pussycat Dolls were a favorite also <laughs> which I don't know how I was allowed to listen to but anyway um I guess it, it what felt like women who were very autonomous and independent and saying what they wanted and were very loud and because I think that was an energy that I always had as a young woman I was always very kind of I was always too loud I always talked too much I was kind of always a bit too disruptive I didn't like doing what other people told me to do and and I think so I always kind of identified with those female artists and I was always singing and I had a lot to say and, and I wrote a lot of poetry because of that and it was my way I guess every child finds a different way of working out how to express themselves or how to understand their world. And for me, writing poetry and singing was was that. And so I started teaching myself guitar um, just from online on on um, that site called Tabs. How, can, how old were you then? I was like, well, I was singing since forever. I'd like run out of the shower with like a song in my head, had to write it down on like a piece of kitchen roll. I, I have so many memories of that. But I think I got to a point where I needed a way to make them into songs and I didn't know how to. And my sisters were in a band um, and they had these like learning, fake learning guitars. And so I used to steal them and try and like learn to play guitar on those. And I cried all year for a guitar and I got one. Uh, and then that was probably when I was about 13. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I started and I was I, I would sing in this really weird voice because I didn't want anyone to like know what I was singing about. Right. And um, I had to really unlearn <laughs> that like habit because it was really bad for my voice. But it it was kind of, that was how I started. And I'd, I'd play at school every lunchtime. I'd be in the music room. It was just the the thing that felt most important to me and was always where my focus was. And I that thing that ran through my whole life, it... I think as a woman, you, as a young woman, you lose a lot of confidence in your teen years. And that's probably when I stopped thinking that I could be those things that I really wanted to be or that I, that I was really passionate about. And then I got my flow back and I got back into it, I think, after college. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I think a lot of people can probably relate because mm. I think almost when you're young, maybe you just kind of do everything. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, I want to do this. I can do that. And you kind of, I used to anyway. I was, I was nodding along to what you said about, you know, being loud and like talk mm. too much. I've, I said that recently that all my school teachers that every report said, Adrienne has potential, but she talks too much. <laughs> and now I'm like, i got a podcast. I'm like, it's come to good use. But I think, you know, that thing of changing and you can be everything. You can do every club. You can do, you know, guitar. Mm. You go to gymnastics. You can sweat. You can do everything. And I think, as you say, when you get a little bit older and a bit more maybe self-aware and it's almost like, is this a hobby or is this something that you're going to pursue and be serious? And it has, it almost changes. And I think, yeah, a lot often that's the time when you become inhibited and you stop doing those things, which mm. is a shame. But it's great, I guess, that you then, um, yeah, came back to it. Yeah, and I guess it's... it's it's at that time where you learn who you are through how other people perceive you. And I think as a woman, there that's very coded and we, we, we learn a lot of, of our ways of being through 
who we think we have to be or who we think we should be. And that often takes up a lot of energy. Mm. And actually, how do you have time to do all of these million things that you want to do if you're worried about the way this person is talking to you or if you should like boys and, and how you should like them and why that person doesn't like you that way or wants you to look this way or whatever. It kind of, it's crazy. You know when you were young and people used to say to you like, oh, this isn't the most important thing. Like when you get older, you're not going to care about any of that stuff. Mm that was to do with like friendships and relationships and all mm. that kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah, but it's so important. Yeah, and it really <laughs> undermines actually the emotion that you're feeling at that time. It's kind of saying to you that your feelings aren't valid. It's like you're feeling this intense emotion, but it's like those things, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but, but also the idea that actually they won't, like you'll actually be thinking about other things. Like yeah. who cares if that boy doesn't like, it feels ridiculous now. Yeah. But when you were a kid, it's like your whole... I think it depends if how what type of person you are. I was very, I am, and a very emotional and very sensitive person. So the way that people uh, react, interact with me, really affects me. So I think I would always care so much about what other people thought, mm-hmm. or even the little things that people would say to me. And equally, I think the little things that were really good would really spur me on. So there's like a few comments I probably got when I was growing up, and. They, I still remember them of people telling me that I could be a singer, yeah. I could do it, and I still remember like, oh, I was like, oh, really? You think I? It's not just me that thinks that. Yeah. And and those kind of positive confirmations of your ability are so important when you're young because we're so impressionable. True. Yeah. So important. I often say that you know, words have power, and it can be one small thing that someone says to you, good or bad, mm. and it stays. You know, like we've all got that thing that we remember, like from 10 years ago where you're like oh it's crazy whether it's about someone can say something about your ears or about something it's one thing it will be your thing that you always yeah 20 years later you're still like oh that person said you know it's it's, and and equally the other way around as you said when someone gives you that word of encouragement maybe that you need at that time they could just be passing like oh yeah that's cool Mm. but to you you're like yes like I think that's why it's so important to especially with women I'm I'm someone who I love to like give compliments I think it's really important to like if you're thinking something and you think something's really cool or whatever, like tell that person because it's such a boost mm. and I and we do need it yeah. because we, a lot of the world tells us otherwise yeah. or makes us second guess ourselves or doubt ourselves. So I feel like that's like a small thing that you can do for other women around you. Mm. It, I, I do it with men as well if there's something that I think is productive about their personality that maybe they wouldn't see as valuable. Yeah. Then t- to praise them on it, which would mean that they might do it more. And actually, it's not something that is something that's toxic or whatever. Yeah, no, that's cool. And, I, you know, I have read you interviews where you've talked before about confidence. And it's it, it, did, it did surprise me, you know, and it, you said that, you know, you really struggled with confidence a lot, especially around, you know, your music. And I guess because you're a songwriter as well, I mm. sometimes think that's different, maybe to singing other people's other people's work. So I guess how did you what changed? How did you overcome that? Um, I... I was thinking about these kind of things before and it's funny because I'm really, as a person, I'm very outgoing, I'm very confident, I'm I'm not someone who's shy, an extrovert, I mm. guess you'd say. But I really did struggle when I was younger with that feeling of not being good enough or not being sure um, and it, it really inhibited me from doing a lot of things. And I think what I realised is that no one else is going to do it for me but me and so actually the most important thing I can do is believe in myself and and as long as I do believe in myself I can really do anything because if you don't even think that it's possible then you haven't even 
began to try because it's not something that exists yet. Mm. So as long as you think something's possible, then anything can be achieved. And that was something that I really had to learn because no one was going to... People can't believe in you for you. And as much as anyone might try, it won't work as long as you don't believe in yourself. So that really changes everything. I think it's funny because... I think it's a a mixture of things. I think it's believing in yourself and also working really hard at your craft so that you're actually really good at it. Because part of the reason you might not believe in yourself is because you're not there yet and because you know that you have things that aren't perfect or aren't quite right or you could be better. So if you really believe you can do it, you're really going to push yourself to get to that. I'm sure you know, as someone who's in sports, it's like there's so much about pushing yourself to a limit, which... I think is really hard for a lot of people is to actually get to that point that's on the other side. Yeah. And um I love that you said that though, do like the work and the craft because mm. I think often as you said it gives yourself proof. So mm. thinking about yeah, relating it to running, it's it's that you give yourself the proof. Every time you do it, you give in so for example in a moment of of low confidence but maybe you've got a race or something and you're like actually if you know you haven't trained you know you've missed training sessions you've missed this you you know you're setting yourself up for failure but when you know you're like i have done the work yeah it's like doing an essay yeah an exam does not have to be scary and i used to have this with because i'm dyslexic and dyspraxic so exams used to be the most scary thing for me ever when i was a kid they had to take me out of the class because i would freak out and i remember in my final year of uni in my third year I remember sitting down and being like I'm so excited to write this paper because there is nothing they can ask me that I don't know and I had and it was like it's a three-hour exam and you have to write for three hours and it was so fun literally everything yeah I was ready and I think it's the same with anything and don't be someone who hasn't tried to have a craft it's so important and it never goes away Mm. if you learn to do something really well that skill never goes away and sometimes when we're young we feel like many other things are more important like our image or our followers or whatever it is our personalities but actually when it comes down to it you can get that at any point but no one can take away from you your ability to be an amazing at what you want to do Mm. and so it's just like confidence and skill and you're kind of good to go. You can yeah. achieve anything. Yeah, they go hand in hand. For yeah, sure. for sure. Amazing. And I mentioned at the start that your lyrics often provoke, um, you know, thought and sometimes debate maybe about some really, really important topics. Mm-hmm. And it seems that your fans really connect with you because of it. So what's that process like? So, you know, when it comes to songwriting, do you write with a specific person in mind? Who do you want to hear your message? What's that process like? I think when I started... I didn't have someone specific in mind uh, apart from myself and and writing is a big therapy for me. If I can't write, then I'm going to fall apart probably because I have to be able to make sense of what I'm feeling and and writing is a way to get that out. And um, if I can't write about it, then I don't really understand it, if you know what I mean. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know when someone teaches you something and then you have to write it in your own words and you're like, oh, I wasn't listening at all. I don't know how to write in my own words. It's kind of like that. And... um, so when I when I first started, I was just in terms of like she's a psalm or tepid soul. I was working out who I was as a woman, and that I she was a psalm. I was working out that I had a voice and I could use it. And I was quite angry at that time because I was realizing all these things, well, things I already knew, but I was reading a lot about feminism and I was studying it, and I was upset about how much we give ourselves away to other people. Mm. And so it was my anger at myself, but also my realisation that I didn't have to do that. 
and then a kind of call out to other women to realise that too if they hadn't already and I think that was the same with Tepid Soul it was about my heritage as a mixed race woman and the kind of hypersexualization that we kind we go through especially from a really young age for me it was like 13 14 mm. until i performed those songs live i didn't realize the effect i was having on other people and i didn't because i think also there's a lot of identity in different cultures but in being mixed race there isn't really an identity at all because we're not from anywhere really looking like like when people look at us they don't mm-hmm. see us as from anywhere and they often project their idea of where they want you to be from yeah in relation to with a lot of women hypersexualization and so you you kind of often feel like you're in this space but you don't really have anyone else to talk I don't feel like mixed race people talk to anyone else about it and so until I performed I didn't realize but there were mixed race people who would put their hands up or whatever or shout or say to me afterwards that I really felt what you were saying and I was like wow I didn't even think about all the other people and so I think as that happened, I really learned how important it was to be that for other people and to help them feel that unity and that idea that... Because that's what music does for a lot of us is that you feel like you're not alone. Yeah. And even if it is just a love song, it's like if you're going through a heartbreak, you feel like someone else has gone through that too and that means that you'll get through it. Mm. And it, I think it's the same with race, gender, sexuality, politics. It's It's that feeling that you're not alone in this journey and that there's something that we can do and there are people that are there is hope that we're doing something and and I really felt that especially with touring and and that kind of thing yeah that I had to do this more for other people as well so then my more recent songs have been based around that more have been understanding certain topics like toxic masculinity and writing a song specifically through my experience but about that in a way that men and women could gain something from listening mm. to it and that's become more uh, more of a a big part of the way that I write songs now yeah well you can you can tell for sure and it's it doesn't surprise me actually listening to you talk that people would have that reaction and that they would feel that you know yes that speaks to me because, yeah you know I'm nodding along to what you say and you know obviously I'm a mixed race woman myself and a lot of the things you know when you said you were kind of discovering things and then you felt angry it's like you kind of I don't know myself anyway my experience was for so long I didn't even know these things. And then mm. when you learn them, you can't unlearn them and you can't, so, you know, kind of, I guess, explore how that, that has affected your, your yourself. And I think, you know, you, even though your experience is so unique, everyone's is unique. Mm. As you said, when other people were telling you, like, that's my experience too. So, yeah, they're not they're not alone. But it's funny because at the time you think, it's just, yeah. just me. Well, you we learn our world as it is until anyone tells us different. And that's why, for me, like, reading is so important and learning and reading people who have had so much experience and like life ahead of them it's so important to understand the world that we live in in a way that isn't just what what is normative or what we're told to understand because we all know that what we learn in school isn't the the picture of everything and mm. for everyone and i just want to be a part of that of mm. people learning another way of thinking about the world that isn't just boys wear blue and girls were yeah, pink yeah. and you know <laughs> but the timing I think is you know the timing right now it's like it's just a different world and the mm. pace that we, the world's changing and it's you scary know, the pace yeah and the conversations you know the fact that now you can just read you can find the article you mm. can find the book you can listen to the podcast it's kind of it's there if you want it so much access so yeah. much access yeah you know I think it's so different and I hope it's going to be so different for you know my son's generation mm. it's, it's really crazy isn't it yeah 
Yeah, it's really how different crazy. it will be. Yeah. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to somebody who, I guess, maybe is trying to make it in the creative industry, maybe in music or maybe not? And you know, they, they look at you and they see your success and they think maybe they're at the start of their journey or they've been going for a while, but they're not getting, you know what I mean, mm. where they want to be. What would your advice be to them? If you really think that you have something special and you have something to offer the world, then don't let anyone stop you. And I think don't let fear stop you or fear of doing it wrong or being embarrassed because it's really important to do it wrong and be embarrassed because how can you learn to be better? No one, anyone successful has had a million things that have gone wrong. And it's, for me, it's kind of how you choose to deal with that, you know? It's like, what do you do with those things that have gone wrong? Do you let them defeat you or do you learn from them? And so I think... My advice for anyone who is trying to make something of themselves in the creative industry is one, it's creative. So no one can tell you you're doing, if you're doing your own thing, no one can tell you that you won't be needed or useful in this world. You know what I mean? You can, if you're kind, if it's organic and it's pure and it's your story, then you can make something of yourself. There's always space. So don't, because often there will be people that will tell you that you, you're not good enough or you won't make it. They don't have the belief in your dream that you need to have because no one can see it but you until it's realized no one can see it so you have to have a really clear vision of what it is you want write lists write lists this is the best thing that I do is actually instead of just being like I want this thing make a plan for how you'll get it be tactical um be intentional and purposeful with your actions with everything that you do Mm. have that goal in your mind and you'll find your way to it subconsciously if it's if you live and breathe it, mm-hmm. it that will happen and I think what you said about the fast pace it is a fast paced world and it's really hard and we do have to these days you have to give your 100% otherwise you you can't do it because yeah. everybody's running at a million miles an hour and yeah. it's that's the one kind of negative thing about the way that our society is going is is that fast pace that is sometimes hard to keep up with. Yeah. So you really have to like have your head screwed on and, and believe in what you do and not kind of get distracted by the world around you, by the people saying things, by people doing other things. Don't let it stray, stray you from what you see yourself doing or being. Yeah, I think that pace that you're describing although it yeah has its, its downsides upsides i think that is often what what frustrates people because they think that they should have it quicker they mm. should have done it quicker they should Everyone be there already feels like that yeah and i think for myself probably included you know i'm not exempt from that i think often people think about um something maybe a goal maybe where they should be or whatever and it's like the pace I think that's the problem it's that you know when people say well I've been doing this Adrienne I've been doing this for this Mm. long or maybe they've had this many rejections or maybe it's been like a long time you know like not when people say to me I've been doing this for six months and I haven't got it it's like (laughs) eight years you know eight years is the time I think oh really well I mean I was I was in a, a panel talk once and the audience member she asked everyone on the panel how long they'd been doing things for and apparently she had some algorithm that meant that Eight, around eight years is the time that it takes to actually like do something well and succeed and start becoming successful. Wow. And sometimes we don't realise it, it takes that long. Mm. 
Well, that's the, the like I was saying the speed it's like the instant gratification mm. the quickness you know something like eight years I think I, I understand what she's talking about it's like the mastery of something mm. and actually if you've been doing something for five years and you're not getting the results you want of course you're going to feel disheartened yeah. you're going to feel discouraged you're going to think you know what maybe they're right maybe they're right I'm not that good I need to just give it up but I think how many people probably give up at year five year six year seven yeah. and they don't if they'd have carried on maybe it could have been yeah, and I think it's that idea that we hold on to these landmark times and actually everyone's different. Um, we all have different opportunities. The world is not equal. Unless you have rich parents and loads of money or famous parents, you're probably not going to do it in a in a blink of an eye. Do you know what I mean? Everybody has different skill sets. Everybody, it, like, it doesn't matter that it's hard because under capitalism, it's, it that idea of like the trickle down effect you can make it if you try it's kind of a double-edged sword because it is a lot harder mm. if you haven't had all the opportunities but you can still do it you just have to work harder yeah. you have you to work harder than it. other people you have to accept that you're not gonna have the same opportunities you have to try and get those extra lessons try and meet those people be in the right places it the world isn't fair yeah and and those people that do succeed are people that work to the absolute limit until until they get exactly what it is they want. And, and I think it's just being sure of the thing that you want. You know, I think sometimes it's hard when you fray away from that thing that you want and make sure that it actually means something to you because it, if it doesn't mean something to you, then it has to be your passion. It has mm. to be your life passion because otherwise you won't enjoy getting there either yeah, yeah and you're so right about the life injustice i read this thing once it said your circumstance is not the reason that you're not succeeding your circumstance is just the parameters in which you must succeed yeah and i was like of course where you know, did you read that i think you know what i don't know i think it might have been a might have been a cal newport i'm gonna find out mm, but i just remember thinking good. it's so it was so clear to me it's like yeah this argument between well she's had a head start or this person that or mm. the money or the circumstance or the privilege yes life is not fair we're not all starting mm. at the start line and I think it's naive for us to be like oh you can just get it if you try and it's like that's not helpful saying to someone mm. just that because it's not about that is you have to realize that throughout your life you're going to experience people that have more than you or have it better than you or have it easier than you and you have to not let that stop you it's not like that idea of like relative deprivation the idea that you will see someone else and be like oh I why don't I have what they have it's like that is an unhelpful thought yeah if you want what they have don't think of about it in that way mm. think about how you will get to where you want to get to yeah. outside of what everyone else has and I think it's really hard with online platforms for that reason because we we're so much more these days able to see what everybody has or whatever everybody might have or pretends they have and yeah. so that gives us that feeling of we're de deprived from all these things that we should have and yeah. and actually it's it's unimportant it's it's really yeah, yeah. unimportant to unimportant. your development <laughs> yeah and the flip side of that coin is it assigns blame so when you're mm. saying then you know this idea that if you want it you can work for it you can have it the flip side to that message is if you want it and you haven't got it it's like well whose fault it's like you haven't done the work it's yeah. like assigns blame i think that's also yeah can be unhelpful but this is amazing this is very complex but i'm loving it <laughs> yeah. but i want to ask you i mean i just you know just dropped it in in the intro that you know barack obama he's a fan for anyone <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know already at the end of each year barack obama shares a list of his favorite songs films and books from that year and at the end of last year when he shared his list of faves it included your track with tom mish i it mean did. 
that's insane. Uh, what did you know? How did you find out? First of all, I want to know who told you. How did you find out? And what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, and no one told me. I just started being tagged in his post on Obama's Instagram. <laughs> I was like, this is not real. <laughs> I literally saw it, and I was like, why are all these random people tagging me in this thing? And then I saw like. Barack Obama's Instagram and I was like that must be a fake account because <laughs> I, I was in the studio and I just didn't I just generally like you know when your brain just doesn't compute this is not something that happens in my life I'm sure in most people's life it doesn't happen I think Cardi B was also on that list and she was like posting about it like I can't believe it two steps closer to the White House which I don't know if I was quite as close as she is but <laughs> um yeah it was crazy it was very surreal um he just posted a picture on his instagram and the, with the list and me and tom were the only british artists on that list so it was kind of even more crazy um and yeah i was just kind of staring at my phone <laughs> for a while just like uh. did you imagine him like singing along in the white house like <laughs> dancing to it yeah i mean i have done i'm i'm hoping that that still happens that's exciting yeah and um yeah it was just it's one of those weird things that you kind of don't know what to say. It, it's like cool. It's like another person like lo- loves my music, which is which is sick. Um, you just don't expect it to to be like the sickest president that's, that's been. <laughs> but I'd have been like, right, PR, get to get to America now. Get me to meet him. Yeah, that would have been so cool. I mean, I don't know how because because it, it was like a personal thing that he did. Yeah. It's not. I can't. I can't call Barack Obama. It wasn't done by like a PR DM, slide in the DM. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should have tried. Um, but it was picked up by loads of news channels. I was yeah. on Channel Four. I was on Sky News, and I was actually in St. Lucia at the time, seeing family. So it was so weird because I was very removed from that world of press and PR to then see videos of people's TVs. And I was just like on the TV, but like in the Caribbean with like the palm trees in the background. Um, Yeah, it was very surreal and very cool. Um, Amazing. mm. Yeah, I think it's incredible. And even, you know, hearing you say it like that, you know, you're so... I guess just humble and you're like, yeah, it was crazy. I'm just on TV. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, it's... Yeah, it is. And it's cool, but it's just like... Uh, That's what is amazing for me. The most amazing thing is that my music could reach that crazy place. And that also it's received by someone who meant so much for so many people, even just at his election. Yeah, I think I was at I was in secondary school when he was elected. And yeah, it was such a monumental moment for, I guess, the West in Mm -hmm. general. So it felt impactful in that sense. Yeah. At least it was someone like, imagine if it was Trump. Can you imagine? <laughs> I would actually just die. You're like, yeah, you, you, I'd be like, wow. you need to stop right now. <laughs> Backtrack and just delete me, please. From yeah, your if life. you're listening, Trump. Although I feel like he probably isn't going to like my music, <laughs> let's face it. Research. Um, and I saw you, I saw you perform at Roundhouse in London. I don't know, was that last year, the year before? When no. you were with Tom? Yeah, year before. The year I before, so I that's don't my know. first time, and then, yeah, and I saw you perform there. I think that was my first tour. Really? Yeah, because I supported him. Yeah, and that was at the time that was one of my biggest shows. It was three thousand people, and I literally was like, it was incredible. I was Thank like, you. this voice, oh my gosh! And you know what? I'm gonna be honest right now. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I felt 
so old at that gig. <laughs> Did you? Oh, yeah. but Tom's Tom's audience is very young. Right? So I didn't know. Yeah. I just know his music. I'm like, cool. Like, oh, he's in London. I'm going to go to this gig. Cool. And I swear, like, <clears throat> I was there with my husband and we were like, babe, <laughs> we were like, babe, when did we get like old? Like, I was literally wearing like, I don't even know what I was wearing, but I remember looking around and like, everyone's wearing like a hoodie and a t-shirt and I literally was like, oh my gosh, we're actually old. We're, we're those old people at the gig. So yeah, I mean. Well, my mum was there and Tom's dad was there. Okay. So they were definitely older than you. some other parents. They had the they had like a fight in the audience because Tom's dad stood in front of my mum in the crowd and my mum was like excuse me uh, my daughter's playing and he was like excuse me uh, my son's the headline and then they made friends they took a selfie and they sent it to us backstage jokes that's, that's if I love it they're getting rowdy <laughs> yeah. so you mentioned so that was one of your first but you've done so many so many performances and tours since then yeah. do you have I guess any like standout moments of like performances that were your favourites or like anything that yeah, I guess stands out for you. My headline tour was definitely that one um, that really stood out. And I think what we were talking about earlier about realising the way that my music connects with people, that was like the first time. Because I really didn't think that anyone was going to turn up. And it was crazy to me that even the first show, I was like, no one's going to come. Like, it's just going to be empty. This is all a joke. It's like such imposter syndrome. And I was sitting in the green room and my engineer came in and was like, oh, the support acts. Because I was like hiding. She's really good. Um, And I was like, oh, cool. Um, He was like, yeah, there's people there. And I was like, don't lie to me. And he was like, yeah, no, it's, it's full. And I was like, this that's not even funny. Like, why are you joking? And he was like, literally go outside probably. It's full. <laughs> and I had no idea. And the tour was like that. And, and my audience was so amazing. And also so many young men because obviously my work reads more closely to women but so many young men who were really which was it was so inspiring to meet a whole load of young men who were really interested in being better and realizing their flaws and being self-reflective which is not something that men are taught to be Mm. at all so that was a really big eye-opener for me because I was a bit nervous. I I write these songs when I'm at home and I'm like, I've got all the attitude, but then you have to (laughs) sing a song about toxic masculinity to loads of men in a room and you're like, oh God, I don't know where to look. Um, And it was such a surprise and I realised why, that's all I really realised why I do what I do because when people came up to me afterwards when I was signing merch and stuff and I had so many young men and older men just tell me that, oh, that song really connected with them and they know they have loads of work to do and, and all of this stuff. And I was like, this is crazy to me. And, and So impactful. Yeah, so impactful. And even just men that you wouldn't expect, very, very masculine reading men. There was a guy who I did a show in Birmingham and actually the audience was mostly men. And I was really surprised and really scared when I had to sing that song. <laughs> And they'd come, he'd made all his friends come from Coventry to Birmingham. And they were they were all like these laddish young boys. And I just was was so it was really it was really refreshing because sometimes you feel like I do get trolling and stuff like that from people who are really intimidated by a woman who mm. knows herself and wants to inspire other women. And so it was really Yeah, I just realised that people do listen and people are interested in being the best versions of themselves and and kind of looking into themselves so that we can have better relationships with mm-hmm. each other. And that's something that I talk about a lot on my shows is that men and women, we're always going to exist together and feminism has to include men. We need men to be feminists and we need them to to make an effort and, and to try harder and to realise their flaws and talk to each other, yeah. talk to women and have those, I mean, not, all the emotional labels, label, labor stuff, but to actually 
we have to communicate to engage be yeah part of engage it. and i think that's what i've really found and that's become my my kind of my main pursuit is to create a space where we are starting conversations and and between I, I, probably not at that show that's, that was a very early show for me and a very big one and now it because so, i remember that show was like oh my god 3000 people and i did a show at north sea jazz festival and i'm still shocked every time i go out and there's like 2000 people and I'm like I really didn't think that I thought it was going to be empty <laughs> and I've got all these people here listening and it's yeah it's really nice and that thing you were saying about confidence I actually listened to um it came up on my hard drive somewhere that a song a performance I did of um a show really early like before before the tom tour and it was so funny hearing myself on stage and I literally said and now I talk between all my songs and yeah. I talk about the issues and we talk about toxic masculinity and I talk to the audience about whether they're feminists and we actually like, we connect and, I, and lots of people love that about my shows. And it's so funny because I listened to um, an audio recording and I was like, oh, uh, I'd love to talk to you guys, but I'm uh, really awkward, so I'm uh, just going to sing the song. <laughs> and I just, I can't imagine yeah, being like that yeah, now. And it's part of it. Yeah, it's part of it. It's part of growing. And, and we have to have those moments where we like cringe at ourselves. Like, I can't believe I was that way. Because how do we develop and grow and, and become more confident? And I, I can't even imagine myself being that way mm. now. But I had to do those first shows yeah. and be really awkward. And Yeah, that's how you grow in anything, right? I think that's often the thing. Where I think because now everything that's digital exists, mm. it's harder because people can go back and watch the first video or the, listen to the first episode mm. or whatever. And so we're expected to be perfect. Yeah, and we put that on ourselves. It's like, oh, maybe delete the first ones because then... And it's like, no, let them be there mm. because that was part of it um, and touring is obviously you know really hard work you know physically I guess you know mm. especially uh, your voice you know it's very demanding and you're in demand you know you're busy so like how do you prioritize what you say yes to what you what you do your schedule and how do you prioritize taking care of yourself and taking care of your voice yeah that's it's really important I think it's kind of the difference between being amateur and being professional it's because as you get more busy and especially with something that is an instrument that is not external to that is it's not external to your body because if you're like a saxophone player you can kind of be a bit more free whereas as a singer if i talk too much or i go out partying or i drink too much or i try and smoke i don't smoke but if i did it would ruin my voice mm -hmm. and and so i have to really be thoughtful about and also even just fitness and what I eat. And if I get acid reflux because I've had too many teas in a day or too many coffee, it's ridiculous, the things yeah. that we have to think about. But when you're using something every day, I'm sure you have the same thing with your muscles. It's the same, like literally now, now I have speech therapy and a vocal coach and they literally tell me you have to use your voice as if you're an athlete. Like you have to get throat massages when you've had a tour and you've been singing every day because those are muscles that, you're using it that you're tiring out and if you don't take it seriously the thing is you kind of with a, with singing you don't really take it seriously because part of it is your kind your gift mm. that you can just do it but actually if you want to be really good and you want to be sustainable you have to warm up and warm down yeah it's craft yeah and and after shows i can't go out I, which is really annoying yeah, <laughs> you're out, yeah if you're out and you're um in all these different cities every night and yeah the same thing with traveling is super tiring being in like tour buses 
So well, do you have any kind of, I guess, like, not rules, but, like, do you have any kind of non-negotiables that you try to put in place to kind of think, okay, this is what I need physically and also <clears throat> mentally when you're giving, you know what I mean, to people to kind of, like, self-preserve? Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, on a tour, it's very regimented because you go to a lot of places in a short amount of time. So it's kind of you resting when you're travelling. Um, when I get to a venue, I will steam... I probably won't really talk to anyone. Um, I'll do my vocal warm-ups. I'll do my sound check. Because also I do a show before a show every yeah, day. Yeah. So it's like you have to really learn to conserve your voice. And then you have to talk to people and sign merch afterwards. So it's a lot It's a lot of being smiley and hugs. And, you know, all of, all of that is, is part of my personality. And, and the thing is I want to connect with people and I want to talk to them. But it is hard to like... Yeah. You know what I realised, especially um, when I first started supporting people and... People can be very reserved and you're like, oh, that person's not very nice. And it's like, actually, no, they've been on tour for three weeks and they don't care anymore because they're tired. They, yeah, yeah. Their energy has to go in that show yeah. every single day. They don't care about like having small talk. And it's actually like, as you were saying, like conserving of energy is really important. If, mm. I'm not saying you should be not nice to people, but you have to find your moments to really make sure that you can give your most because you're at work and it's yeah. it's not a social time and I think I don't know I, some people have a rock star lifestyle but I, I I've never been that kind of person and, and I'm you have to trust your body and and yeah. you can't get ill if you get ill yeah then... exactly that's it this is your, your your yeah instrument and so do you have any physical practices like how do you you know I said about in in the Nike campaign you kind of like flow and like do yoga and move do you do you practice yoga do you run do you dance like how how does movement impact you yeah, I think the one thing that's hard is when you're a freelance person, your schedule changes all the time. So when I'm on tour, I find it really hard to have a exercise schedule that actually... Because also you're just knackered most of the time. But when I'm at home, I do a lot of yoga. Yoga has been an important part of my life since I was maybe 18. I think I started going to classes on my own. It was probably the first class or thing I did on my own because right. it feels weird to do things on your own sometimes I think yeah. we think we have to do things with people all the time and actually yoga is something that really clears my mind and makes me feel really strong and helps me slow down in a world that wants me to do a million things at a time all the time and I have to really remind myself why it's important because it, I, I think especially the way society is it makes you feel like Everything you do has to be productive. And the other day I was hoovering my room and I caught myself giving myself reasons for why I needed to hoover my room and not do work. And it's like, I need, you, I mean, you just have to, Poppy. Just, <laughs> but it's like, it's gotta be, yeah, <laughs> your mind's you. always running and yeah. it's kind of crazy. So I have to make time for it. And I also, I, um, I'm, I use the gym at Block mm -hmm. and that's really changed my life in terms of classes. I do boxing and I do yoga and I try and do them as many times a week as I can when I can fit in an hour at different different times and they do different boxing's a new thing for me I actually started boxing when I was a kid and my dad took me out of the class because I was the only girl which really still makes me yeah, very angry yeah. yeah it's so annoying just make her learn not how to fight and defend us anyway <laughs> <laughs> another generation um and starting that again has been really cool and it's really different I think you can have different things like sport is with yoga it's like strength and endurance and focusing on yourself and your breathing and i think it's really good in terms of a politics of i don't know how to explain it but a politics of really understanding yourself 
and working out what you want to put into the world and what energy you want to have. And that's so important mm. for for doing anything. And then boxing is more like feeling strong and feeling powerful and pushing. I think as someone who's not like, you must, you, you must be more into like athletics and you must have like a c- uh, competitive energy. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I yeah. do. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty competitive. Yeah, yeah, so I don't have that. Okay. So that's why I like yoga because it's like focusing on my, I'm on, I'm competing with myself. Yeah. No, but I, yeah, I have that too. Like I don't, I'm not that person that's like everyone, I'm racing you, I'm beating you. She's lying I'm to not you. that person. <laughs> She's lying to you because I know as soon as you start running, no. you're on that right. I know people like you. <laughs> Sports people, I, my best friend from school was like that. She's like super chill, like really nice. You get into that like bleep test or whatever it was. Oh yeah, switch. And she would like, just dash you out of the way. Oh yeah, switch comes on for sure. Yeah. I have that in me, I'm not going to lie. But, but I also definitely think I have it with myself too. It's a yeah. self-reflection thing of going like, what have you done? What can you do? And always kind of competing to be... Yeah, to see if I can do better. Um, but I think the mums at my son's school on sports day would disagree. <laughs> oh my god! I four years undefeated, dragon. Four years undefeated. I'm just saying. Oh my god! Of You're, course. Just let someone else win, for God's sake. No. Okay, this is another conversation <laughs> about. We're gonna have that conversation yeah. another day. Um, um, but oh. I think that that energy is important to have. Yeah. And sometimes I struggle with that. Some I think that's something that I really learn is that when someone puts pressure on me. To be better, I'd pull back and I'm kind of scared. And boxing has really taught me to be like, no, Lean push in. yourself. Yeah. yeah. And and it's that's an important lesson for life mm. that you have to, you can't let other people stop you from, from doing, pushing that a little bit further. And sometimes other people's energy does do that or you let other people go instead of you. And, and that's, it's again, that thing about giving up, giving up parts of yourself to other people or letting them take up space when you should also have that space. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why. <laughs> Which is why yeah. you always... <laughs> no, I'm joking. So with that practice and, and with the exercise, I want to know, I always ask on this show, on the Power Hour, I love to find out, you know, people's daily habits, their routine, their mm. kind of journey, and in particular, what gets them out of bed, and in particular, what time. So I've oh had some. I want to know yours. Well, I mean, mine's early, so everyone knows mine's early, early. I get up early, break that sweat, all of that. Oh my god! But I'd love to know what time you get up, Poppy, and what's the first hour of your day? What does it include? So this is again another harder one because my life is very. There's no structure to it, so I. And you have a choice. If, what, what would you? Yeah. So naturally? if I if I have a choice, I mean, as a musician, it's hard to go to bed early because I work probably till two a.m. most nights, even if I'm not doing a show. So I I try and get up every day at eight thirty a.m. because I hate not having the day, even if I go to bed late. But then equally, I need to feel actually rested. I need like nine hours sleep. Okay. I'm such a sleeper, so it's really hard to find that balance. Um, but usually I get up at 8.30, um, do a bit of... I just recently bought weights and I'm starting to do like weight training and that makes me feel good to do that in the morning and feel like I've done like some crunches, some squats, some... What do you call them? Curls, bicep curls. Yeah, bicep curls. Yeah. There you go. She's doing the action. <laughs> um, and then breakfast, I made my own granola and I have like granola and almond milk or nice. coconut milk. Food is really important to me. The main things, yeah, so like having 
that hour in the morning is not necessarily always in my morning. It's like sometimes if I have a whole lot of stuff on, I'll just have to like wake up and get out of the house. If I have a cool time to do a shoot or something, there is no time to do anything because I already have to be up at seven and I'm a dragon in the morning. I'm a late, I'm a late person. So I have to, I have to wake up and seize the day, but I don't necessarily enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that hour is kind of whenever I have an hour and it's often like to cook properly people are always surprised at how much like I go in with cooking me I, like, too I love yeah, to cook yeah cook proper food and like ha- be healthy and and don't for me it's the only time like yoga that my mind really slows down and I will often even forget to take my phone into the kitchen which is amazing I'm not even thinking about it I'm just focused it's like a goal that you can it's a small goal that you can reach and it has a finish you see that has a product, finish yeah. and you can enjoy it and I think that's important because often we're looking at these really long distant goals and actually it's important to accomplish small things in order to give you the um, happiness and the encouragement that you need to accomplish big things so I think food is definitely one of those things for me um, so if, whether it's breakfast or lunch or dinner make sure you have Take them. time for it yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I love that too I, I, I really love that and I think having something that as you said it's almost like steps it's like step one step two step three and the end result is there mm. yeah I think that's really cool structure so yeah, yeah my morning is always different but just having structure is important mm. I can't especially if it's a day where because I spend a lot of time writing at home those kind of days are really hard for me because there's no structure in the day yeah. and so I have to make a list probably before I go to bed about like what I'm even if it's like even if I'm writing in the list like get up have a shower have breakfast my morning has been structured and then I can go into like reading for an hour and then writing and then do you know what I mean to yep. make sure I get it all done um, yeah, I think a lot of creatives and a lot of freelancers feel that because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, the dream is, well, the, the idea of the dream is that if you're a creative freelancer working at home, it's like, you know, I don't know, the sunbeam coming in on your <laughs> coffee cup. And then they're like, no, no, the reality <laughs> is like, you don't have to get out of bed and no one would know. You don't have to, I don't know, even, yeah. you know, you can just kind of, you can lose half of the day and just be like, I haven't started. And that makes you so angry. Oh my God, I hate when that, that's the hardest thing I think about being freelance. Mm-hmm. Oh, being creative is that you can't, time your productivity into a certain amount of hours in the day and I've had to really learn that because the thing is like it's like it's exciting being freelance I think most people would like to work from home it's like a idealistic idea but you also have to make money from it so it's like how do you use that time well to make money from it and I think as a creative especially as a singer it's it's difficult because the thing that might make me most song most money is the best song that I ever write mm. and that might take me four months to write you know you never know I mean it doesn't often take me that long to write a song but sometimes I I don't know the best songs I write will come when I really feel feel that there's something that happens and I just feel like writing and then it pours out and I'll write the whole song in 20 minutes or something but but sometimes other songs that have equally been good and been powerful yeah, there's no, there's no, it doesn't equate to the time. Yeah, it the, might, I know. might write four words in a day and I might struggle. I have this thing and my, I live with housemates and I'm always like the worst person. And when I do like a three day writing thing, sometimes I'll have two days of hating myself. Mm. Why can't I do it? Why am I not good enough? Have I ever written a good song? How did I even write that song? Because Where it, these yeah. songs are all rubbish. Yeah, like, and, and you have that kind of self defeat and then it'll come to me and I'll write a great song on the third day I've got or, it I've still got it <laughs> yeah or, or a great chord structure or whatever it is and that sometimes you just need that basis yeah. and from there you can 
work through it or do anything or write whichever parts you want to write. But you have to give yourself the time to be truly creative. You can't box it into 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like you would at a desk. It it doesn't work like that. And you have to give yourself a break. Mm. Yeah, give yourself a break for sure. I think I need... I'm I'm loving this puppy. I'm like, this (laughs) I'm going to be listening back to this and taking notes myself. (laughs) So on that, could you give the listeners a power hour challenge? So when I ask the guests to give the listeners a challenge, it's usually... It can be anything. It could be in their power hour. It could be in the morning. But just anything really that they could take away this week that they could try. Okay. Um... I'm going to say this thing that actually my um, maths teacher from secondary school would tell us. And I thought it was really powerful and that we don't do it enough. And it's kind of positive affirmations. And I used to think it was ridiculous when he told us to do it. But he would tell us to... um, He was this like kind of quirky Iranian older guy. And it was funny because I think he actually thought about the way that women see themselves. And he was super strict and kind of like... He was kind of that thing between like really strict but really caring at the same time. And he used to tell us to like look in the mirror and say, I'm wonderful, I'm beautiful, I'm intelligent. And it felt really stupid. And you're probably going to feel really stupid when you do it in the mirror. But actually, it's not really about the act. It's not about what you say and even believing it at that moment. But it's like the repetitive action of giving yourself positive affirmations about yourself like say to yourself what you're good at before any exam I've ever done I've always said to myself in the last few minutes like I can do this I'm really good I'm really clever I've worked at this I have all the ability like it's it's kind of it seems I think it seems silly but you have to trick yourself Mm -hmm. into believing and that's the beginning of believing in yourself and I think for me that was like the beginning I had to do that a lot because the world tells us many negative things about ourselves and so you have to counteract it and if people aren't going to give you compliments 24 7 Mm -hmm. um you have to do it for yourself yeah and um and it, it really does work, you know. What you know, we, we hear you. about like placebo, um, you know, medicines and how they work. I think it's kind of the same thing as you said. Sometimes people have to see something to believe it, but I'm like, believe it to see it. Yeah, say the thing. It's already happened. Yeah, you it's like that. My mom actually taught me that. It's already the, my yeah. The two things were like, don't ever let fear stop you from doing anything. And if you're scared of it, you should probably do it because it it's probably pushing you into out of your comfort zone and that's why you're scared so that probably means you should do it and that's like one thing I really think has helped me in life in terms of like seizing opportunities and when I see something or a person that I really want to meet and it's like oh god I can't go up to them just just go and do it and you because you'll hate yourself afterwards if you don't missed it yeah. yeah if you miss an opportunity and I can never miss an opportunity it's like they're so precious opportunities so it's like that it's like don't let fear stop you yep. and then believe in yourself through telling yourself that you have what it takes and and that nothing can stop you because that's that's going to be your mantra for life you have to because also it's also the energy that you put into the world and if we all were happier with ourselves and we really loved who we were f- for what we are imagine like the people in your life that struggle they're toxic in themselves they struggle with with not being able to accept themselves as they are and and we're not we're not all the same and the world isn't equal so it's like you have to find your happiness in those small things that make you who you are Mm -hmm. because you have to live with yourself all your life and 
and otherwise because sometimes I think we I'm going on a tangent but sometimes I think we think happiness is this far away goal that we will reach and once once we get there we'll be happy mm-hmm. and actually it, happiness is is really fleeting and it and and sadness is part of life and you wouldn't understand happiness without sadness it's important to have the the yin and yang kind of thing and so if we can find happiness in the small fleeting moments then we'll live our whole lives happy and we'll be passionate and we'll be doing what we love and that's why it's important to do what you love because otherwise you can't feel that happiness in in small moments and then you and then it's like a kind of it all feeds into itself Mm. so yeah amazing amazing before i ask you (laughs) my final question tell us where we can find you and your music online you can find me um everywhere i mean just type poppy ajuda into instagram twitter google wherever you want youtube um and spotify probably a good place to start (laughs) yeah over half a million uh streams on spotify per month do i yes you do see i got got the facts (laughs) yeah Uh, okay so my closing question which i ask to every single guest on this show is all about time Mm -hmm. i really do believe time is the most valuable thing we all have and the most valuable thing you can give to another person so i'm so grateful that you gave us an hour thank you so much so what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you um what is the most valuable thing that time has taught me um that is precious that it's fleeting that that nothing that things are always changing and so we have to value the time that we have and that we give and it kind of works in many ways it's like you value your own time so really only do things that you really want to do because also if you don't really want to be there or you don't really want to do do it you're going to give other people that negative energy as well and then everyone is kind of feeding off negative energy do the things that you're passionate about and that you love and you spend every day of your life happy and it might be and happiness isn't like elated endorphins all the time happiness is working really hard at something and feeling accomplished or like when I'm in the studio for 10 hours and I haven't left the room I probably don't feel that happy but I'm happy that I'm working towards something that I know will be amazing or will represent me or help other people and it's like finding your happiness in in those moments I think it's what I said before it's that don't I don't want to say don't waste time but use time wisely yeah use it purposefully make it count yeah for sure amazing thank you so so much Poppy thank you for having me loved it loved it and thank you so much for listening you can rate and review on iTunes all those good things please let us know if you are going to try Poppy's challenge and yeah just let us know if you enjoyed listening to the show thanks again for listening see ya bye bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.